Hey friends, good morning. My name is Kenson. As has been mentioned, I pastor the Bridgeport location. Grateful to be with you all and also Merry Christmas. You know, first off, I just want to say that my wife and I would like to take a moment just to say thank you. Uh, that if you didn't know, a week and a half ago, my, we tragically lost her father. Uh, and the sorrow has been very, very deep for our family. Uh, but in the midst of the pain, your love and care and especially your countless prayers have meant so much to us. We know that God has used your prayers to sustain us, and we know that this season of grieving for our family will be a very long one, uh, but we're really grateful that we have the church family to care for us, uh, that we knew that in these last two weeks that every meal that we got, and we have had a lot of food, okay, eating has not been a problem. Uh, every note, every text, every email, every gift, every hug from you uh, is God's way of comforting us in our loss letting us know, the Lamb family, that he is present with us. So church, I just want to say thank you for showing us the love uh, of Jesus. Thank you guys for doing that. So with that, let's open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. You know, today we continue in our Advent sermon series, Joy to the World. And as many of you know, Advent is simply a word that means arrival or coming. And in the last four weeks, we spent the time to slow down and learn to wait and hope and rejoice. And this is frankly hard to do, especially in our culture, because it is so busy during this time, so many distractions pressing against us, that it is so easy to miss the grace of Christmas, that a Savior has come, joy to the world. So for today, we're going to talk about the theme of joy, and particularly the source of our joy, okay? That's what we're gonna talk about. So let me go ahead and read our verses and then we'll jump in, all right? So Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, has, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, during the Christmas season, everywhere you turn, you see the word joy. You know, you see it in the stores, you see it in the de decorations, you see it in the advertisements, you see it on people's lawn. The word joy is, you see the word joy more in the 30 days between Thanksgiving and Christmas than you will see any other time throughout the year. Everyone wants joy. And frankly, if everyone had joy, the world would be a much happier place. People would be less grumpy and cranky. We wouldn't be attacking one another or judging or putting people down. It would be great if the world was filled with joy, but it's not. It's not. The truth is, is that many of us don't have joy all the time, and especially during Christmas. You know, a poll was taken a couple of years back where it said, and let me show it to you, it said that 88% of people feel stressed during the holidays. 56% of people bite their lip with their family. And the reason we do this is that either we bite our lip or we bite our family. That's the only two choices we have. 
The poll also said that the top three topics to avoiding conversation with family is politics, personal matters, and religion. In other words, only talk about shallow stuff. On average, couples will have seven arguments during the holidays, and the top five issues couples will fight over are where to go or not go, how much money to spend, what to do with family, who's going to clean up, and who's going to cook. If Christmas is the most joyful season, why are so few experiencing it? Might it be possible that we're looking for joy at all the wrong places? That when we look to it in the world, we will never find it. But when we look to it in Jesus Christ, we will experience a joy that is deep and lasting. You know, in Luke chapter 2, when the angel tells the shepherds the good news of the birth of Jesus, he says, let me just show it to you. He says, I bring you good news of great, great joy. Or in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men travel far to find baby Jesus, right, it says they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. This is mega joy. This is not your everyday kind of joy that you experience. Christmas is a joy that is greater than any other joy in your life. This is not a natural joy. This is a supernatural joy because a Savior has come. God has come down in the flesh. So for today, I want to talk about how we can receive this supernatural joy. And here are the three points, three very simple points to move us along. First is this. We all look for joy. We all look for joy. Second point, we look to the wrong things for joy. And finally, we need to look to the right thing for joy. So very simple. We all look for joy. We look to the wrong things for joy. We need to look to the right thing for joy, okay? So here's the first point. We all look for joy. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, some context on Galatians here. Now, where we're at in Galatians is in the context of Paul trying to help the church in Galatia live in grace. Because before these verses, Paul has called out false teachers called Judaizers for teaching legalism in the church. That it's my works and not Jesus that makes me acceptable before God. So to correct this, Paul exhorts the church to stay faithful to the teachings of God's grace. That there is nothing more you can add to your salvation because Jesus has paid for all of it. That's what he's been trying to do. Now in chapter 5, Paul teaches us to live in that grace. And the way that we do so is by walking by the Spirit. That when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches that God gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us. The Holy Spirit, who is fully God and the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is not just some mystical force that's out there. It is the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal of our salvation and giving us the supernatural power to live a life of transformation, a life that now produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And notice here in Galatians 5 that it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, plural. It says fruit, singular, of the Spirit. What this means is that when you walk in step with the Spirit, all these qualities will be true of you. 
Now, for our topic today, I just want to specifically highlight the fruit of joy. That when the Holy Spirit dwells within us, every Christ follower has the capacity for supernatural joy. Now, what we need to understand here is that what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of a believer is not something new. It's actually bringing us back to God's original intention. God created us for joy. Back in Genesis chapter 1, God creates this beautiful world and creates humanity, Adam and Eve, in his image. And he gives them, and, and he does this incredible act of creation, and God looks at all of it and says, this is good. It is good. And God himself is taking delight in all that he has made. And what God does next is that he tells Adam and Eve to have dominion over it, to rule over it, and to enjoy it. You know, so often, you know, people think of God as this grumpy old man who hates fun and laughter because obviously if you're having way too much fun, you must be sinning, okay? That is, that is ridiculous. God is for your joy. As a matter of fact, I would say that God is more for your joy than you are. Pleasure is God's idea, not the devil's idea. God created beauty. God created our five senses. God created color. God created touch. God created taste here. God created intimacy. He did all of these things. We are built for joy. Also, did you know that Christianity is a joyful faith? That Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 11, that I have told you these things so that you would have my joy. One of the ways we express this joy is through singing. We have far more songs than any other religion. No one sings more than Christians. And when it comes to Christmas, no holiday has as many songs as the birth of Jesus. This is why we say Merry Christmas and not Scary Christmas, right? It, it, Christmas is a celebration. It's a birthday. It is not a funeral. So here's an important question. What is joy then? What is joy? What is joy? Now, most people would define it as happiness, but joy and happiness are not the same thing. The difference is that happiness depends on your happenings. It depends on your happenings. It is tied to your circumstances, but joy is a heart condition. Happiness is external, driven by external circumstances outside of you. Joy is internal. It's what's happening inside your heart. For example, happiness depends on where you're at in the moment. I go to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. I have an awesome time with my family. I'm so happy. But then I get back home and a month later I see the credit card bill. I'm not happy anymore. Joy is different because joy is in the inside. Happiness is temporary, but joy is eternal. So, so let me just give you a definition of joy, one, 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 that, one that I use. This, this is how I would define joy. Joy is a deep gladness and contentment produced by the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, produced by the Holy Spirit as he helps me to see God as, as beautiful and in control and in control. This definition is way different than happiness and just feeling good. Joy is much deeper. Christian joy isn't dependent on my circumstances, but something that stays firm, even when bad times come. This is why when you look at biblical joy, joy in the scriptures, it can often coexist with a variety of emotions. 
that you can have abiding deep joy and still be sad and disappointed, that you can be joyful in suffering because joy is a gladness and contentment that is settled in the soul. Paul says during house arrest in Philippians 4.4, let me show it to you, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always? Yes, always. Why? Because joy is an act of trust in choosing to praise God and honor God and thank God in all things. Joy is a gladness and contentment that is settled in the soul. And this is what the Holy Spirit is producing as he transforms us. It's to have this Christian joy. We all long for this joy because we are built for this joy. And this leads to the second point, looking to the wrong things for joy. All right, fine, thanks, Kenson. So we're built for joy, God wants us to have joy, our hearts hunger for joy, so why don't we have it? Why is it during Christmas everyone is running around plenty busy, yet everyone is exhausted, lonely, empty, and overwhelmed? It's because we are looking to the wrong things to give us joy. That instead of finding it in our devotion to God, we seek it outside of God's spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Now what's being said here is that if you want to experience the joy that God gives, you have to stay in step with the spirit. Now this, now this phrase, keep in step, is a military term. It's a picture of a soldier staying in line with their commanding officer that wherever and whenever the Holy Spirit leads, we are to follow. That's the picture here. That is how we experience joy. It's when we follow closely to our God. And this is the problem of why we lack joy. It's because we, all, we don't always want to do this. We don't always want to walk closely with God. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, what Paul's doing here is that he's giving a contrast of fruits, that either you will walk by the Spirit and experience joy, or you will walk in the flesh, which is our sinful nature, and you will experience the poisonous fruit of conceit, envy, and fighting with others. These three things, if you notice in verse 26, could not be any further from joy. Fighting envying, that is not contentment. Fighting with others, that is not a gladness. Notice that the reason we lack joy is because sin kills joy. You know, so often we think that the reason we lack joy is because we have a lack in life. That we don't have enough money. We don't have the job that we want. You know, we don't have that boyfriend or girlfriend we don't have a spouse. We don't have a house. And we think that we lack joy because of what we lack in life. But let me bring you back to Genesis again and remind you of the Garden of Eden, that there was no lack in the garden. There was no shortage of things to enjoy and delight in. Now, yes, there was one tree, one tree that Adam and Eve couldn't eat from, but it was just 
one tree. They still had the entire garden to enjoy. And and even the reason that God told them not to eat from that one tree was to remind them, hey, just so you know, I'm the giver of these gifts that when he tells them not to eat from this one tree, he is telling them to trust him with their joy. Trust me with your joy. So the problem with joylessness is not because we lack something. The problem, as we see from Adam and Eve, is because they didn't trust God. They wanted to be independent from God. They didn't want to keep in step with him. In the same way, many of us don't want to trust God with our joy. So instead of following him, we walk away from him. And that is exactly what sin is. It is separation from God. And when we are separated from God, we are separated from his goodness, from his mercy, from his love, from his power, and guess what? Also from his joy. Is it any wonder that the poisonous fruit of the flesh is conceit, provoking each other, and envying one another? Sin will always leave you hungry for joy. So instead of delighting in God and all his goodness, what happens is that we envy over what people have. We get angry when we look at the lives of others over social media. That is a lack of contentment. That's a lack of joy, a lack of God in your life. Or instead of experiencing the joy of community and leaning into one another, caring for each other, strengthening each other, building each other up, encouraging one another, you provoke one another. You, you pick fights with other people. Or you're filled with conceit. And what is conceit? It is excessive pride. All you think about is yourself. And if you ever notice, so much of the world's messaging around Christmas is so self-centered. You know, for example, you can turn on to any Christmas movie, and you're always going to kind of get this similar storyline here. You're going to get this storyline of a grumpy teenager who doesn't believe in Santa, And because of that, the Christmas meter is now down. So Santa and his elves need people to believe in Santa. You know, you got to believe. So in this climactic moment, the grumpy teen finally meets Santa. And Santa tells him that people need Christmas to remind them of how good they can be. And finally, this grumpy teen sees the importance of of the Christmas spirit and says to Santa, I believe in you, Santa. But then Santa puts his hands on the teen's shoulders and says, no, 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 no. Believe in yourself. What does that even mean? What does that mean? I don't know what that means here. And that is literally the message of Christmas we're getting all across our culture. This is what our kids are watching on TV. This is the complete opposite of what the Bible teaches. We are not the answer to joy. We are the problem. And the solution is not finding ourselves or believing in ourselves. It's believing in Christ, our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our King. We won't find joy turning our eyes inward on ourselves, on our flesh. We find joy when we turn our eyes upward because God is the ultimate source of joy. Psalm 1611 says this. Let me show it to you. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is a fullness, fullness of joy. 
At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The closer we walk with God, the closer we are to joy, the further we walk from him, the further we are from joy. And here's the final point. We need to look to the right thing for joy. Now, I've already answered this in a variety of ways, but let me just be crystal clear here, okay? If we want a joy that is deep and lasting, it comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where joy is. We read from our verses that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, that joy is a byproduct of having God in our lives and walking faithfully with him. We also read in verse 24, let me show it to you, verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That word belongs means that someone has claimed you for themselves, and that person is Jesus Christ. To belong to him means that he is the source of your life. So if you want to have lasting joy, you don't do it by focusing on joy itself. You don't do it by focusing on yourself. You do it by focusing on your relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus says the same thing. Let me show it to you. John 15. Jesus says, as a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. Soak in my love so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. When Jesus is your Lord and Savior and we remain in his love, his joy will be placed in us. And what this tells us is that the joy the Holy Spirit gives us is the very joy Jesus had. And this is the whole idea of the metaphor of the fruit and vine. That just like how an apple doesn't give life to a tree but receives a life from the tree. In the same way, we have fruit because we are tapped into the vine. We are tapped into the life of Christ. His life becomes our life. Joy isn't just something that Jesus gives. Jesus is our joy. And when you consider the life of Christ, it was so joy-filled. So joy-filled. In Luke chapter 1, when Mary is pregnant with Jesus and comes to Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, it says that when they meet, a pre-born John the Baptist leaps in the womb. I have no idea even how that happens, but it happened here. And it happens because there is so much joy being in the presence of Christ. Now, Jesus grows up, and so often when we think that Jesus is all growing up, Jesus must be a serious guy, you know, always mopey and somber, you know, that's who Jesus is. No, Jesus was joyful. For example, children loved to run to Jesus. Jesus was clearly joyful because kids don't like grumpy people. They will never go near them, okay? But the kids ran to them, ran to him all the time. And also at the death of Jesus, we see joy. That as Jesus goes to the cross to suffer and pay for our sins, it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross because of joy. What joy was it? It was the joy of reconciling us to God and having all, all the earth rejoice that Jesus is king. Then Jesus resurrects and meets his disciples. And it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 5, the disciples worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. In Acts chapter 8, as Philip goes to Samaria and spreads the good news of Jesus, it says that there was much joy in the city. When Jesus returns for the final time, there will be joy because he will wipe away every tear and bring an end to injustice. Do you guys see here? The life of Jesus was that of joy, and he seeks to pour that same joy into our hearts. For some of us, the reason we lack joy in our lives is because we lack a loving and connected relationship with Jesus. But here's the good news of Christmas. God sends us a Savior who knew we needed help. God would not send his son down to earth 2,000 years ago if he didn't think we needed it. So if we want to experience joy, we need to come to God with faith and repentance and confess we have looked to lesser things for joy, that we have settled for a shallow and cheap joy, for counterfeit joys, that we need to confess this and turn to Christ and trust him with our joy. That now in faith, we don't look for joy in our situations. We don't look for it in temporary things. We don't look for it in sinful things. We don't even put our trust in good things. We look to the ultimate thing, the ultimate person, Jesus Christ. We will find joy not in what we have, but in who we know. Jesus, your Savior. You know, Charles Spurgeon, an old English preacher, said this. Let me show it to you. He said, believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not, not from what they enjoy, but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. That's, that's what we have. Now, I want to speak to a few groups here today. First is this. First, if you are in a difficult season this Christmas and joy is hard, you know, maybe this season reminds you of someone that you've lost. You know, for many of us, you know, this season can be also very, very lonely. You know, I want to encourage you that even though you don't feel joy right now, God is still at work and in the midst of your trial and suffering. Now, God doesn't delight in suffering, but he does use it to produce greater maturity and steadfastness. He is not absent, and let God draw close to you in your pain. You know, in Psalm 30, it says this. Let me show it to you. Psalm 30 says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Some of us are weeping now in the night, and I want you to know that joy is coming in the morning. But in order for us to see that, we have to be willing to wait on the Lord. And just keep this in mind. Noah waited 120 years for the rain. Abraham waited 25 years for the promised son. Joseph waited 14 years in prison. Simeon waited his whole life to see the Messiah. So if you're waiting, you're in good company. God is at work. He is teaching perseverance and building greater faith 
and patience. Joy will come in the morning. Second, for those who are believers, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and it comes from a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And what that means is that if you want to see greater joy, it comes from a greater devotion to God. Now, I want to be careful here. This doesn't mean doing more things or being more busier or, or like, you know, or, or, or making up a brand new, like, you know, New Year's, you know, resolutions, and I'm going to do all these things for God, okay? That's, that's good and all, but I, want to, I, but I do want to remind you that if we want to grow, Right? If we want to grow in our joy, first off, remember that it doesn't come from striving. Jesus doesn't call us to strive. He calls us to abide. He calls us to rest and trust in him. And just like all good relationships, you build it by spending time knowing each other and letting that knowledge grow your love for one another. You know, this means reading the Bible, praying to him, worshiping and fellowshipping with others. We can't produce the fruit of joy, but we can cultivate it. We can cultivate it. We can give the right environment for that joy to grow. Greater devotion leads to greater joy. And finally, if you're an unbeliever, your first step is to walk with the Spirit. You already know that the joy you have is fleeting and wasting away, and the hunger you feel for deeper and lasting joy. You need to know this. That is God's grace calling you to himself. He is telling you they are not enough. Those things are not enough for your joy. I'm enough for your joy. That is when you trust Christ for salvation, God will make you a new creation and you will experience a joy greater than any other joy. A joy that isn't dependent on your circumstances and a joy that will never diminish or fade away. You know, for our family, our tradition is that right after our Thanksgiving dinner is over, we put up the Christmas tree. Like, literally, once, like, we finish the, the, the pumpkin pie, the tree's going up. Like, there's just something psychologically, like, Christmas is, like, Thanksgiving's done. Now it's time for Christmas. So we put up the Christmas tree and decorations, and for the next 30 days, you know, the house is filled with lights and also screaming in the house, telling our kids, stop touching the ornaments, stop touching them, okay? Like, I don't know if your parents have to do that. I have to do that all the time. And what gets really sad is that by the end of Christmas, we have to put everything away. It's always a sad moment. But I noticed recently that there is one Christmas decoration that we put up years ago that we have never bothered to ever bring it down. We leave it up for the whole entire year. And it's not because we're lazy, but it's because of what it means. It's the decorative word joy. Let me just show it to you here. It sits right on top of our pantry cabinet, and it is a fixture in our house. You know, I share this with you because joy is not something we want for just the 30 days between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We want it more than just a decoration in our homes. We want it more than just a Hallmark movie. We want it every day of our lives. We want it to be a fixture. This is the good news of Christmas. God has made a way to experience this deep and lasting joy, a joy that is not natural but supernatural, a joy that will never lack or disappoint. It's the joy of having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Will you come to him today? Will you do so today? Let me just close with this. You know, in the Christmas story, you know, we have the picture of a pregnant Mary, 
Now, we have to understand that Mary was in a very difficult situation, and a few weeks ago, Rafe did a fantastic job kind of working off her story. But let me just remind you guys again. What happens to Mary here is that the angel tells her, as a young teen, 15, 16 years old, max, absolute max of her age. The angel says, you will give a virgin birth, and he will be the son of God. Now, just imagine Mary here trying to say, huh, how am I going to tell this to my mom? Mom, I'm pregnant and God's the father, right? How's, how's that going to go over? Is anyone going to really believe her? How is she going to tell her friends? How is she going to tell Joseph who she's engaged to, and he knows that this isn't his baby? On top of that, she has to travel a long trip to Bethlehem and, give, and, give, and deliver this baby in a stable without her mom and her family, with no doctor or midwife. And on top of that, she is told, your child will be the son of God. Mary, you will need to raise the perfect child. No pressure at all. Now, if I was Mary, this would be a stressful situation. The circumstances would feel overwhelming. But let me tell you something. Mary's heart was not filled with fear and anxiety. It was filled with incredible joy. In Luke chapter 1, Mary sings a song after the birth of Jesus. And here's the first song verse. Let me just show it to you. Luke chapter 1. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Notice it doesn't say, my spirit finds joy in my job. No. My spirit finds joy in companionships. No. It finds joy in finances. No. It finds joy in opening presents. No. It finds joy in a big Italian meal. No. My spirit finds joy in God, my Savior. Jesus was her source of joy. May your joy, may our joy be found in God our Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, help us not to settle for cheap joys, superficial joys, counterfeit joys, things that promise contentment, things that promise satisfaction, things that promise gladness, but they are so disconnected from you. Father, I pray for us that, God, that you would help us connect to the true source of joy, and that is your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we would pray and ask that during this time of Christmas that is only a couple of days away, that, God, that we would not miss the grace that comes with Christmas and the good news that a Savior has come, joy to the world. Joy to the world. There is good news that a Savior has come to save us. A Savior has gone to the cross for us and on on the third day rises again. Father, help us to rest our hearts in him. Help us to trust in him. Father, have your spirit work mightily in our lives so that, God, that we would be a joyful people. Father, might we be known as your people because of the joy we express, not just on December 25th, but on the other 364 days of the year. It's in your son's name we pray.